we're the one place in Long Beach where you can buy a real human skull. Welcome to the Corner Booth, where conversation is on the house, and everybody has a story to tell. Now the questions that come to mind. Where is this place and when is it? What kind of world where ugliness is the norm and beauty the deviation from that norm? You want an answer? The answer is, it doesn't make any difference. Because the old saying happens to be true. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. In this year or a hundred years hence. On this planet or wherever there is human life, perhaps out amongst the stars. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Thank you, Mr. Serling, and welcome all of you to the program. That clip that I just played was the closing narration from the classic Twilight Zone episode, Eye of the Beholder. And if you haven't seen it without spoiling anything, I can tell you that it's a thought-provoking episode that really questions our perception of beauty and what is normal. You know, we live in a world today where so much of our thinking is done for us. We're told what to wear, what to like, what to eat, and where to go. We watch television shows that we don't even really enjoy just so we won't be left out of the morning conversation at work. And if you don't believe me, you need only travel so far as your local grocery store. You'll find soccer moms by the dozen with haircuts and outfits so uniform you'd think they were government issue. And this isn't a critique so much as it's an observation because even things that are presented as an alternative to us are usually packaged and shipped by the same companies selling us the mainstream narrative. In a lot of ways, we're expected to look at the world a certain way. And that's why I find people who refuse to bend to those conventions so fascinating. Make no mistake about it, I am a small town boy born and raised. You'll find me at any county fair in the state and day drinking in my cargo shorts on a Sunday. But sometimes, even a man who is pure in heart and says his prayers by night may become a wolf when the wolfbane blooms and the autumn moon is bright. And you know what? There's nothing wrong with that. So whether you want to make weird a way of life, or maybe you're just someone that likes to get a little strange once you're done grocery shopping and working for the week, the dark art community welcomes you. What is the dark art community? The best way to get an answer to that question is to go direct to the source. Jeremy Schott is one of the coolest people I know. And I've known him for 15 years, so he's had plenty of time to prove me wrong. I like to call him the youngest renaissance man I know. This is a guy who has produced major motion pictures alongside Charlie Sheen. He's directed professional wrestling from Hollywood. He's the bass player in several very popular Orange County bands, but today what we're focusing on is Jeremy Schott, proprietor of the Dark Art Emporium in Long Beach, California. I really hope I have some dreamers out there listening because this conversation I'm about to have with Jeremy is inspiring. Yes, we're going to be talking about dark art. So if you're squeamish or think that's not your thing, Please stick with us because this is going to be the most inspiring conversation you've ever heard about dark art in your life, I promise. The only thing I respect more than somebody who's out there doing their thing is somebody who's out there doing their thing for all the right reasons. That's Jeremy Schott. Please enjoy my conversation with Jeremy and I'll check in with you once we're done talking. <laughs> 
Let's get weird. Let's have fun. Let's check in with Jeremy Schott from the Dark Art Emporium, Long Beach, California. Well, I look at your I look at your IMDb, I look at your history and it's like you've directed 75 episodes of Championship Wrestling from Hollywood. You've been an executive producer on a film with Charlie Sheen. All, all these different things. Why does the Dark Art Emporium really honestly in a weird way feel like the next logical step? Well, um I guess what happened was, you know, I was touring with heavy metal bands. I was touring with Suicide Silence primarily, and I was their videographer, documentarian, live music video director, all that stuff. And, you know, when we were on tour, I'd always find, you know, everybody's all hung over, and I was a little older, so I was trying to be a little bit more responsible. So when we would, uh, you know, stop someplace and be like, well, where's the, where's the museum? Where's the weird oddity shop? Where's something bizarre that I can go see? You know, whether it was in, you know, Russia or, you know, even Alabama, you know, what's what's cool, what's weird. And so one day we were sitting on the bus and their lead singer, Eddie, like turned to me and he's like, you know, Jeremy, you you really like art, like whether it's music or painting or, you know, video, you know, you just really just enjoy art. We were on tour with Corn when he said that. And then when we got back from corn and during that trip, I kind of realized like I wasn't inspired anymore. Like I didn't care. Like when I was holding that camera, I didn't really like, you know, more or less. Um, You know, it was just the same thing over and over again. And I got back home and I had a corporate gig. I was working a laundry conference which I didn't even know there were laundry conferences. <laughs> and, uh, what goes on in a laundry conference? I do not know. They pay me stupid money to put a camera on a tripod and hit record. That's pretty much what happens. Fair enough. You know, I'm sitting there with my $10,000 camera rig and a suit. And I was like, this, I'm done. I started, you know, looking into what it, what it entailed to open an art gallery, you know, and give artists a, a space to show stuff. Within probably six months from that, corporate gig i had an art gallery you know when i was opening i talked to bill who owns hyena gallery in burbank and me and him have become buddies and you know i was buying art from him when i wasn't on the road and i just kind of mentioned to him hey i want to do what you're doing and uh he said don't it's a <laughs> it's a lot of hard work for no pay you know i was going to do it anyway so he's kind of been a mentor to me and like helping me out and you know telling me what to do I'm curious as to why an art gallery, per se, because I know you have a background in film and a real passion for movies. Why not um, a cinema? What what was it about an art gallery, I don't know, that made you pull the trigger? Well, I guess, like, part of it was, you know, when when I did do movies and, you know, television and that sort of thing, the people that you encounter working that is, they're they're scummy. Everybody's got their hand out and nobody's really doing anything. And, you know, everybody's trying to justify their job, even though they're really not, you know, important, you know, like agents and agents and, uh, all those people on the fringe. Yeah. 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 Like producers and stuff like, you know, they give you, they hook you, like give you an example. Like she wants me the movie I made. We had two producers that the only reason they were producers was because they managed one of the actors that we wanted to get. They'd never produced a movie before, and they didn't know what the hell they were doing, really. I mean, it worked out. Like, we got the actor and everything, but, you know, we ended up spending way more money just paying them. Just to pacify a situation. Yeah, just to make a situation happen. 
you know, if I ever do movies again, which I plan to eventually, or television or something like that, eventually I'll do it. But, you know, I'm going to work with my friends. I'm tired of just because you have credits, I'm not going to hire you because you you don't care. In the art world, like I'm finding like artists, like you know, they care about their craft and they, you know, it's not about the dollar bill, really. I mean, the dollar bill helps, but the real reason they do it is because they have to. They have a story they need to tell. And, you know, I'd like to help them tell it. And has that been a big part of the Dark Art Emporium being that you're able to work with friends? These are people you know and artists you appreciate, and these are your friends. Yeah, and I mean, a lot of it, you know, coming into the art world, like I was never in, you know, the art world per se. Like I, I went to art shows occasionally, but I didn't talk to anybody. Nobody knew who I was. Now that, you know, I've reached out to some of my favorite artists and, you know, they've become fast friends especially in like, you know, the dark art world and lowbrow is there's not a lot of galleries that show this kind of work. If somebody's willing to take that risk and, and do it, I think they're really respective and, you know, receptive of it and, you know, appreciative. And we kind of buried the lead because the Dark Art Emporium, we've been speaking about it like it's your average run-of-the-mill art gallery, and the Dark Art Emporium is anything but, correct? Yes, yeah. I mean, the Dark Art Emporium, we specialize in dark art, lowbrow art, horror art, that sort of thing. You're not going to come in here and see, like, a landscape of a beach, you right. know? We, we, we don't sell Thomas Kincaid, you know? <laughs> It's a variety of things, you know, a lot of like dark art per se, you know, comes from a tattoo culture, more or less, you know, it's a lot of skulls and demons and, you know, that sort of thing. What is a typical exhibit at the Dark Art Emporium in Long Beach, California? Last November, we did a we did a show called Requiem, the Art of Mourning, and we transformed the art gallery into a um, a funeral parlor. All the artists painted there. It was really cool because they were really personal uh, art pieces because it was all about mourning. So you know, some people painted their grandmother. You know, they missed their grandmother, and and that was a really powerful. I mean, we had a coffin, candles, flowers, and granted, they were all dead flowers because we needed to make it a little dark. But that show was really powerful too because we had a food truck like meet out front, and the day before our show, she passed away. Wow. So you know, the uh, the members of the dark art community that have been coming to my shows since we opened, you know, we were actually mourning during our morning show. So it was pretty, that was a pretty powerful show. Well, talk about that a little bit more, because that's one of the things I've noticed just following the Dark Art Emporium on Facebook and the, and through your website, a community has sprung up around your gallery and in that, that whole general vicinity, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, there's a, there is a dark art community. I mean, Cofro and Santa Monica, they show dark art. You know, I mentioned Bill and Hyena Gallery, they do. And occasionally La Luz and Hollywood does. I mean, there's not too many galleries that are just showing it. So, I mean, when we go to an art show, you see the same people every time. So you, you could become fast friends. And, you know, it's kind of like the metal community because we're kind of outcasts and a little different. Um, and our, you know, the stuff that we're interested in is a little out there. You automatically are drawn to each other and you become really good friends. One of the things that the Dark Art Emporium offers is different workshops and classes. And I don't, you could probably describe it a lot better than me. What's going on with the taxidermy there? Okay, so I guess the, the dark art community or the dark art emporium, we're probably 75% art gallery and about 25% oddity store. So we're the one place in Long Beach where you can buy a real human skull. We sell occult books, taxidermy. So one of my taxidermists, she did, gives classes here where you can learn how to taxidermy your own animal. For a fee, you come in, you show up, and there's a dead animal in front of you, and you learn from start to finish how to taxidermy your own animal. 
animal. So we offer that. We also do figure drawing classes for artists. Ours usually has a little twist. You know, a normal figure drawing class will just be a nude model, you know, posing in different positions for, you know, an hour or two hours and everybody draws them. But we try to have fun with it. You know, we've done bondage and at some point we've, you know, painted the model up as a monster and that sort of thing as well. I'm on the website right now and I'm I'm, I'm looking through the inventory and I'm looking at some of the things that are available for purchase right now at the Dark Art Emporium. True or false, you really have these things there. A frog skeleton. Yes, I'm looking at it right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> and we do have a we do have a lot of things that aren't even on the website, you know, just because I don't want to deal with shipping on like wet specimens and stuff like that. Is that ever an issue? Like, because you're shipping like a live fossil or a creature or something that was once alive, do you run into any sort of? Yeah, I mean, there's certain there's certain laws you run into. Like, there's certain states that I can't ship human remains to. Um, because there's what, what state can't you ship a human remain I, to? It, oddly, I can't ship a human skull to New York City. There's like four or five different states that don't allow importing of human remains. But so. let's say I wanted to buy the framed horseshoe bat. Oh yeah, that's not a problem at all. I can, I'll ship that to you today. Where do you get this stuff? Well, I have suppliers. I have different suppliers that I get, you know, the oddity stuff from, and you know, I've made friends through people, and occasionally I get somebody that comes in with, hey, I've found this this is really cool i just have different different wholesalers and i do a lot of research what's the strangest thing that somebody ever that you ever either pursued or that somebody ever tried to sell you well we had a um a roadkill raccoon and about a thousand dollars worth of resin that was pretty disgusting i mean right now i have a, a diox skull which is a headhunter trophy trophy from borneo what does that look like it's a real human skull that's been painted and carved and then binded around the mouth the diox tribe in borneo they would headhunt and they use them as like a trophy now where did where did you find that i i don't want to give away my source no 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 you're go. right <laughs> This seems like such a passion project. How, how do you sustain it as a business as well? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm trying. What are, what are some of the things that you do to attract attention, to advertise, to market? It's oh, such well, a unique business model. I think people would have to be curious as to what your strategy is when it comes to just drawing attention to it. As far as advertising goes, I, you know, I do advertisings in the local local papers and, you know, send out press releases and hoping to get some articles about what we're what we're doing here. And then on top of that, I, I advertise in two uh, major international art magazines, uh, High Fructose and then Beautiful Bazaar. Beautiful Bazaar is actually located in Australia. I'm also one of those few dark art galleries that are advertising in the fine art magazines. It kind of gets the word out. I've gotten a lot of customers from different states and overseas even because of those ads as far as locally like i throw sideshows out on the street or at a, a local bar you know just try to get the word out as much as possible I do fundraisers at the cemetery so i'll take my booth there and you know get the word out hand out flyers and sell dead ducks you know <laughs> <laughs> Given the somewhat unorthodox nature of of, of your your business model and 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 what you you what you're putting out there, what's been the feedback from the community? It sounds like it's fairly supportive, given that it's a bit strange. The neighborhood loves me because we're always doing something fun and different. Long Beach. I mean, I'm fighting an uphill battle. Just even though I'm in Los Angeles, I'm still in Long Beach. You know, people in L.A. treat this place like it's a third world when actually it's a 30 minute drive. So my goal, like locally, is to get the people. From 
from Los Angeles to come see what we're doing here because what we're doing here is completely different than any place else. Locally is just getting more business and more people coming in, Orange County people and stuff like that. I started this place because I knew there were other like-minded people like me in my area that didn't want to make that hour and a half drive to to Burbank or Santa Monica in order to see this kind of kind of art. It's Sunday and I need a human skull. I don't want to drive all the way to Burbank to get one. Exactly, that's go, a, <laughs> you know. That's a pain in yeah, I mean that's kind of kind of where I'm at, and it's a it's a rough business, um, but it's a lot of fun. That's really, I mean, you don't open a, a dark art gallery in order to be a millionaire. You do it for, because you love it, and that's really where I'm where I'm coming from. At some point, hopefully, we'll get our name out there. I mean, I've only been in business for almost two years now. I mean, we've grown so much in just those two years. I mean, within six months, I was in a, a new space that was twice as big. And next year, like I've got some artists coming in that are just next level people that could go to any gallery they want, but they're coming here. And I'm lucky for that. I think part of it is because I'm an art gallery that's honest. You know, I pay the artists when they sell their work and, you know, I treat them with respect because without the artists, I'm just four blank walls. Well, and that's that's one thing, you know, if you don't mind my bringing this up, I, I saw you mention something the other day on Facebook about why other art galleries don't post prices on their website. And that's something that you guys do and you're very transparent about, right? Yes. Because you're right. If you go to most art gallery websites, they'll show the work, they'll say who it's by, and then it becomes some kind of clandestine secret handshake. Who do you have to know to get a quote? You guys don't don't mess around like that. No. I mean, art's for everybody. You know, when I see stuff like that, I think that comes from the fine art highbrow world. In the history of art, you know, they wanted certain people to own the piece. Whereas, you know, I as long as the person loves the piece, I want them to own it. It, it drives me crazy as a collector. If I go to a website, you know, I'm really curious about this artist and I want to I would love a piece by this artist, but I'd have no clue where his prices are. So I want to be transparent and tell people, like, if you want Miyamoro, one of my Japanese artists, you now know where her price point is. It starts at a certain price and then goes up from there, depending on the size, but you know where she is. I went on a website the other day and you have to you have to request a preview and inquire about a price. And it seems like you're adding an extra step that doesn't need to be there. You're wasting both my, my time as a collector and their time as a gallery. If the piece is $100,000 and there's no way in hell I'm ever going to afford it, why am I even sending this email? But I need to know the starting point so that I have a reason to send the email. Doesn't it only stand to benefit the artist? You're at least being realistic about like, hey, I could I could get a bunch of these if I wanted mm -hmm. to, or this is totally out of my league. Thank you. I won't bother you. Doesn't it only stand to benefit them to know that their work might be accessible to more people? I agree. I completely agree. And I try to keep the prices here affordable. I mean, granted, I do have $5,000, $6,000 pieces, but I also have, like, you can walk into the store right now and buy an original piece of art for $60. I'm looking at it right now as even it's come from Russia, you know, like it probably costs them 60 bucks to ship it here. It just drives me crazy. The art world, it, it tries to be so pretentious and highbrow sometimes. I know there's a place for that, but it's not here. There's the super pretentious alternative that's just trying to be so weird just to be weird. And you guys aren't that. Nobody's trying too hard there. It's just here's some real sh on sale. You no, know, that's exactly what it is. I mean, I have people come in this, the gallery all the time. You know, it's called the Dark Art Emporium. I've got a skull painted on the outside, weird posters on the walls, and a t-shirt that says, F 
your weak ass art hanging on a skeleton in the window with taxidermy and they walk in and they turn and see me and they go like, well, we didn't expect you to be here. I'm not gothic. Right. <laughs> like, you're, you, you're... I like, I'm just a dude, you know? You're not the tribal tattoo of art galleries. No. And I mean, I see a lot of art galleries and, you know, the art scene. Some people are just, it seems like that can't be you. I mean, granted, some of it is them, but sometimes it just seems like they, they're just trying really hard to be bizarre and weird because they're in the art art scene. You know, art's for everybody. I mean, I have grandmothers come in here that loves this place. Children love this place because you're always going to see something new and different that nobody in Orange County or, or Long Beach is showing. It goes back to what you said. That's what inspired you in the first place, right? Was seeing strange stuff on the side of the road as a kid. Yeah. No, I wanted to go to the, what is the thing? Well, I'm seeing science about it over and over again. I got to go see what the thing is. You're usually kind of disappointed, and I hope people aren't disappointed when they come here and see the thing. Roadside attractions are a big inspiration. I mean, even if you look at like the the logo that I've used, the the Barker face. I you love know, that. Who like, did that, by the way? Uh, this is my buddy Christian, a dude I've known for years, and gave him a bottle of whiskey and said, "Hey, let's make a logo." You know, and I wanted to go with a sideshow. You know, Carney Barker. Given the history of Long Beach, four blocks from here was the Pike, which used to be like the New Jersey Boardwalk with Carney Games and. Oh, wait, wait. Freak can, shows. And, can you elaborate on that a little bit more? Because I, I'm not as familiar with that as I should be. Back in the 20s and 30s, like this was the place where Hollywood vacation, you know, this was a really cool spot. Uh, the Pike, which was, it's probably like four or five blocks from here. Now it's a, a mall. Back in the day, it was a, it was like a Coney Island almost. I mean, they had freak shows and strong men and Long Beach has the oldest tattoo parlor on the West Coast because all the sailors would come in from here and it has such a history. And with the Carney Barker, like it's kind of why I went with it is I want art to be fun. Give me a dime and I'll show you the world. Come on in. I love Carney. Sh you know, and coming from wrestling, you know, I used to shoot wrestling and stuff like that. Right. Of course. Well, you know, when, <laughs> when you're on the road with a bunch of two midgets and a crossdresser and you're going into Denny's at three in the morning, that's Carney. Sh that's where my inspiration came from is I love the carnival. Same with be being with metal bands. I mean, it's the same thing. You're on the road and you're doing your thing. Well, it's just so nice that there's a place where you can go to escape the ordinary. It's nice to create a habitat or an environment where you can just be a little strange for a day. Yeah. And we welcome everybody here, you know, at our art shows. I mean, we, I mean, I did, you know, say some terrible things about people that are weird, but you know, you can tell an authentic person if the authentic person is, we, we love authentic authenticity here and the people that come in through these doors you know i welcome them as family and i like to think that everybody else that's here does as well i think that's part of why we've been successful and why we're growing and getting our name out there the dark art world is uh, just growing day by day and given the times that we're living in now is the time for dark arts get those demons out let's execute them put them on paper so we don't cause more wars do something beautiful with it yeah do something beautiful with you with your demon like a lot of the stuff on those walls like people had to do this there wasn't a choice and i i respect the shit out of it as somebody that i can't draw i can't draw a stick figure but i i love the hell out of it and i respect it so two years in man this had to be a risk i mean you rolled the dice with this this was not this could not have been an easy decision what's the verdict oh i love it and it's just growing you know, I've, I've kind of cheated a little bit. I took on a, an assistant director who is a pretty well-known artist as well, and he's kind of opened some doors. I call him my uh, crowbar. Because of him, I have art on the walls that I wouldn't have been able to get until five years down the road. But because of Jeremy Cross, like, I've really grown quicker. The minute we met, we became best friends, so... 
everything we've done has been solid. You know, I get emails from artists saying that we're the best gallery they've ever worked with. And, and I want to continue that. It's the most cliche question that anybody can ever ask, but I think it's important. If this was a different type of business, I wouldn't bother asking, but because this is such a clear labor of love and something you were really passionate about, what advice do you have for anybody out there that's chasing a dream, that wants to start up a business of their own, that says, man, I either punch a card for the rest of my life or double down on my dream? You just got to do it. When I went to film school, one of the best teachers I ever had was my directing teacher. The advice she always gave me is, you're scared to fail. Don't be scared to fail because you can't succeed if you're scared to fail. I was scared to fail, but you can't be, you can't let that fear drive you. If you're punching in and out at Denny's every day and you, like, we keep bringing up Denny's, but I mean, if you, if you're wait, if you're serving tables at, you know, at some restaurant that you hate, then leave, quit doing it. Like if you're not happy, don't do it anymore. And that's kind of where this place came from is if you're not happy, change it. Life's too short. Don't be that guy that played it safe his whole life and was miserable. You know, that's kind of where this place comes from. Man, and it's a special place. I want to thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today. You're an awesome guy. What you're doing out there is tremendous. And everybody check it out. DarkArtEmporium.com. Jeremy Schott, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. I'll talk to you soon. Jeremy Schott from the Dark Art Emporium in Long Beach, California today. Check him out at darkartemporium.com. Give a like to Dark Art Emporium on Facebook and tune back in next time because I'm not done talking to interesting people. In the meantime, be yourself, follow your heart, dream a little dream for me, and we'll hang out again real soon. So until next time, long days and pleasant nights. Last call, everybody. I don't remember what I did.